Good morning, church family. Welcome home. I uh, hope you have had a great weekend celebrating our nation's Independence Day, and uh, hopefully you still have some leftover apple pie for after church today. This morning, I want us to celebrate freedom together. But I'll be honest with you when I say that not all of us will be able to celebrate today. Yes, we are blessed to be living in the greatest nation in the world. And it is the greatest nation in the world because of those who have gone before us, dating all the way back to the 1700s, who have served and sacrificed, some paying the ultimate price for our freedom and the freedoms we enjoy today. And, and I am not downplaying that in, in any regard. But the freedom I want us to celebrate today takes it a, a little bit deeper than that. A little bit deeper than just celebrating the freedom of being a citizen of the United States of America. And again, not all of us will be able to celebrate this freedom this morning. You know, we live in a world full of false teachings. You know that? All throughout Scripture, we're actually warned at the prevalence of these false teachings, particularly in the end times. And as we've talked about before, we're in the end times now. The Bible clearly talks about two distinct times that will happen. Christ will come and Christ will return. Now, for those of you keeping score at home, Christ has already come, which means we're on the backside of that, which means there's one thing left. And he's coming back. And he's coming back soon in church. We have to be the church to be ready, but it's not done yet. We all have a purpose to prepare for that day. You know, all throughout Scripture, we see about false teachings. We see it in the Old Testament. We see it uh, in the book of Daniel a little bit. We see it in Isaiah. We see it in Jeremiah. In the New Testament, Paul warns about the false teachings. He warns Timothy in First and Second Timothy about it. Peter writes about it in Second Peter. First John addresses the idea of these false teachings. Revelation talk about false prophets, false teachers. We see it all throughout Scripture, the warning about false teachings. And yes, false teachings are a tool of the enemy to prevent those who are lost from ever hearing the gospel. It's one of his little uh, arrows in his quiver to make sure that those who are lost never hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and give their lives to Christ. That's one of the many things he uses, one of his favorite things, one of the main way he main ways he keeps people from hearing the gospel is by making those who profess Christ to be so busy they don't care. That's a different sermon for a different day. But church, we need to understand as we talk about false teachings, we are not immune from it. As a matter of fact, when you look in scripture and you see where scripture talks about false teachings... It's distinctly within within the context of the false teachings that have permeated the church. False teachings that have targeted believers, those who profess Christ as Lord. So this morning, church, we're not immune to this. Because Satan knows, whereas a false teaching might detract a lost person from being saved, Satan knows that if he can get a believer in Christ to confuse a false teaching with the truth, then now he has just destroyed a number, countless lives of those who will never come to the gospel because of a false teaching in the Christian community. It's the truth. Church, this morning, we're talking about false teaching. And I invite you to turn with me to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. I want to give you a little bit of a background as you turn there. 
The region, this Galatia region, was an area. Paul wrote this letter to the church in Galatia. And this was one of the regions that in one of his missionary journeys, he went through and professed and proclaimed Jesus as Savior and Lord. And we saw people give their life to Christ. People in Galatia that became followers of Christ. Unfortunately, the reason he's writing this letter is that these believers had abandoned their freedom in Christ and had taken up the yoke of a false teachings, particularly false teachings in regards to Old Testament Judaism. Old Testament Judaism, this idea of, of what you have to do to be right with God versus grace given through Christ Jesus. It was rampant throughout this region. It was rampant throughout the times. Paul got wind of it and he was heartbroken. So he wrote this letter to the church in Galatia. So this morning, as we prepare to dive into God's word, I'm going to give you the entire sermon in one verse. Ready? We're going to have you the entire sermon. We're going to show you the entire sermon we're preaching this morning in one verse. And it's verse 1 of chapter 5. And this is what Paul writes in chapter 5, verse 1 of Galatians. He says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. That's it. That's where we're landing this morning. That verse right there is the answer to all the questions that, that from this morning. Right there. That's, right, that's it. Verse 1. Now that we have the answers, let's ask the questions. It's like Jeopardy, you know what I mean? Westmead, this morning, as we ask the questions and as we connect them to the answers that has already been given in verse 1, I need you to understand this morning that what we're talking about here in God's Word, what we look at the current climate of our world, we need to look at in this way, church. America needs the church to be the church. America... The United States that we live in needs the church to be the church. The church isn't being the church. The American church isn't being the church we're called to be because we, like the Galatians, have succumbed to false teaching. Galatians have fallen into this trap, so... I want you to show a little bit more about this in verse 2, in chapter 5. Let's look at verses 2 through 4. Look what Paul says here. He says, mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. In case you didn't pick up on it, Paul is really upset here. And he leads it to a big final statement in this section before he moves on. He's hot right now. And can you blame him? He was passionate for the people that he was responsible in sharing the gospel with and seeing them come to Christ. He was passionate about this group of people. And he found out that they are exchanging in the the grace of Jesus for the rules of the law. He's seeing what's taking place and he's addressing it and how they have cast out what Christ was and have walked away from that salvation and have bought into the lie, false teaching, 
that it was about following the law. And specifically in this context, it was about circumcision. Now let's talk a little bit about the false teachers that were, that were winning the crowd over in this time. There were Jewish religious leaders. A couple of things about Jewish religious leaders that you may or may not know about. Number one, they were obsessed with the law. They were obsessed with the fulfillment of the law. And when Paul addresses them here, when he says, hey, everyone, uh, everyone who's trying to obey the whole law, I want you to understand, this isn't just the Ten Commandments we're talking about when we say the whole law. Jewish tradition in this time had over 600 laws that in order to be right with God, you had to fulfill every one of them. Not to mention the local requirements of the local rabbi that weren't written down, but you had to find out what those were and you had to abide and fulfill those as well. This was an impossible law. This was an impossible lifestyle to live. Why? Because it was a lifestyle based on human achievement for the grace of God. Church, there's no such thing as human achievement that affords us the grace of God. Understand that. The thing about this, another thing about this, these Jewish religious leaders, is they didn't like the Gentiles. Anybody want to take a guess of what the whole nation or the whole region of Galatia was? Gentiles. So they were coming in and they heard about Jesus. By the way, another little fact about Jewish religious leaders. They rejected Christ. Flip over in the Gospels and you'll see how violently they rejected Christ. So they were going to these new converts, these new believers who were professing Christ and be like, hey, that's really a a neat story you got there. It's not good enough. It's not good enough. It's impossible because you're not fulfilling the law. If you want to be right with God, then you have to be a Jew. So if you're not a Jew, you've got to be like the Jews and we abide by the law and you have to abide by the law. 600 plus laws. This is an impossible task, church. No wonder Paul talks about it being a yoke of slavery. Paul takes this very seriously. Look at the terminology he uses in verse 2. He says, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Look in verse 4. You have been alienated from Christ. Again in verse 4. Look at how he ends that verse. You have fallen away from grace. Now church, here's the thing. A lot of people point to this passage of scripture and say, oh, so there's evidence that we lose our salvation. No. That's false. That's a lie. That is a false teaching. What Paul was calling him out here was, man, were you even saved in the first place? Church, you have to understand, when you're transformed by Christ, you can't transform back. You either were or you weren't. And you can can put lipstick on a pig and call it pretty, but you know the truth. You're either transformed or you're not. That's what he's calling them out on here. He said, you've been transformed with Christ, or have you not? Have you fallen away from grace, or are you living in the abundance of grace that we have through Christ Jesus? The church, the believers of Galatia, the church of Galatia, were saying the first question that's already been answered in verse 1. They were saying this, what should we believe? The false teaching came up and said, Christ isn't enough. And gave them a list of impossible rules to follow. And these were the rules you had to account, because Christ isn't enough. You've got to follow these rules in order to be right with God. And that's what they did. I want you to fast forward to our country today. I want you to look at us as a nation, as many of you have. We have Republicans and Democrats 
We have the far left and the far right. We have the anti-racists, the Black Lives Matter, the conservatives, the liberals, the mob, pro-Trump, anti-Trump, people who are woke, protesters, rioters, the oppressed, the oppressors. We have a whole nation shouting, what should we believe? False teachings have inundated our nation, have inundated our culture, and so many people just want to know what to believe. And when something pops up that appeals to them, or when everybody's doing something, they just jump right in and say, I guess I'll believe that. They're looking for something to believe. And we are the church. We are the church. Do you hear what I'm saying right now? Or are some of you just checked out because he's yelling again? I'm not even kidding. We are the church. But I go on social media. But I go on your Facebook. I hear about the conversations that are had in the hallways. I hear about uh, the topics of conversation. And this is what I hear. Statements that start with, I mean, I'm not a racist, but, well, I didn't vote for Trump, so. Well, what needs to happen is, we are the church. Do you know what that means? We're not liberals. We're not pro-Trump, we're not far left, we're not far right, we're not Republicans, we're not Democrats, we're not black, we're not white, we're not brown, we're not conservative. We are the church. Can you say it with me? We are the church. That is what we have been identified by the blood of Jesus. No president ever laid down his life for me. No congressman, no nobody did but Jesus. My identity is in Christ alone, and so is the church. And if you're sitting there thinking, well, I hope so-and-so's listening to this because I see what they post, then you have greatly misunderstood the target audience because it's you. Don't sit here and point fingers. It's on both sides. And there's the problem. We have sides now. We have sides. We're the church Do you know what God's word says? There are two distinctions in which we define humanity. Those who are lost and going to hell and those who have been saved and redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And the second group should be chasing after the first group with that message. This are the two distinctions. Whose side are you on? Whose side are you on? If you want to pick a side. Whose side are you living like? Let me ask you that question. When people go and watch your life, when people hear the words that are coming out, when they're seeing what you're saying on social media, when they're hearing about what your conversations you're having behind closed doors that ultimately leak out, is it a reflection of being the church or is it a reflection of the yoke of slavery this world has you under? Because that's what you think is right. And maybe that's where your hang-up is. You just want to be right. We're the church. And the world is shouting. But what should we believe? They should be looking to the church. The church should be answering that question. We should be showing them what to believe. But our yoke is just as heavy as theirs. Because we're not living like 
the church. Christian, I'm calling you, if you call yourself a Christian, let me ask you this. Do you know God's word? Are you passionate about God's word? Or is all it takes is the next hot click video that you're going to post on your wall to make sure. So you're right. Do you know God's word and what it says? Because if we do, if we proclaim Jesus is Lord, then the answer is right there in verse one. Don't do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. We're the church. Why should anything other than Jesus be coming out of our lives to show other people what to believe? Unless we're under a yoke of slavery, trying to live what everyone else is telling us, trying to join the shouting. It's not over a conversation anymore. Join the shouting. Second question people are asking. Drop down to verse 7. It says, you were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, will have to pay the penalty. Brothers and sisters, if I'm still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. Paul was calling them to give an account. Who lied to you, he said. Who convinced you of something other than what I shared with you? Whose testimony overruled the testimony of Christ that I gave you? Whose voice are you listening to? Because the false teachers gave them the answer to the question when they asked, who should we listen to? False teacher said, we got you. Listen to this. Christ isn't enough. What have you done to earn the favor of God? And they bought it. And we got distracted. When I was in seventh grade, I, uh, I went, I remember my first track meet that I went to compete in. I remember it very well because it was also my last track meet to ever go and complete it. And I was running the quarter mile. And I remember it was time for us to get started and we all get on our line and ready, set. And I don't think we even had like one of the cool guns because we're just seventh graders so they want to spend any money on us. And I was like, go. You know, I think somebody's grandma or somebody that actually showed up to watch. They said, go and bang, I was gone. First place. Thank you. First place for about 14 feet. Because when they said go, man, full speed, I was gone. I was faster than anybody else out the gate. We rounded that first curve and I was in third place. There were four runners. I learned real quick that it wasn't just like how you start. It was like, man, we got to run the whole track. That's exactly, if you look in verse 7, that's exactly what Paul is comparing this church to. And if you study the book of Galatians, he references it several times. He said, man, you got started so strong. You came right out of the gate, full speed ahead. You looked like you were going to make the difference. But what happened? Well, you started great. You trailed off real quick. Whose voice did you start listening to that caused you to stop, that caused you to slow down, that caused you to run a different 
pace. They started off strong, but they started listening to the wrong voices. You know, I love the United States of America. I pray for our president quite regularly. President Donald Trump, I pray for him. But you know what? His voice is not the ultimate voice of authority in my life. I pray for Mayor Tab Bowling. I can't imagine the difficulties he faces. I pray for Governor Ivey. Can't imagine the questions that she's asked. But at the end of the day, if their word contradicts the word of God, I've already answered the question of who am I going to listen to. Have you? Whose voice are you listening to? And I submit, man, I, I get it. Make no mistake. I greatly value I submit to the authority that's placed over us. It tells us that clearly in Romans 13. And we're going to line up biblically. Look, I'm wearing a mask now. It itches the side of my nose like crazy. Anybody else? Who wears it? Man, is it like, man, this thing? Yeah, thank you. Yeah. But I'm going to do it because my governor has asked me to. I'm going to submit to that. But if anything that the voices that are spilling into my life aren't lining up with the word of God, then I know who I choose to listen to. It's the voice of the Lord. So whose voice are you listening to? And I'm not talking about a mask. And I'm not talking about guidelines. I'm talking about whose voice are you listening to right now? Who's in your ear? Who's directing your life because of the voice of influence they have in yours? Is it your spouse? I know that sounds kind of silly. But I've seen many marriages where one spouse, spouse thinks for both. Is it your boss? Who's directing your life with what they're saying to you? Is it the media? Is it social media? Is it your friends? Is it your Sunday school class? Whose voice are you listening to? Who speaks and it determines what you think? It determines what you believe. It determines what you respond with. Whose voice is convincing you of the truth that you're living right now? Paul, Paul wasn't, he didn't, uh, he was very brash in saying in Romans chapter 8, he says, For I am convinced, I am convinced that neither death nor life, angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's what he was convinced of. What are you convinced of? Who are you listening to? And let me just let me just pause button right here and let me just tell you. If yours is the voice that everyone is listening to, but your voice isn't leading to somebody to grow in their relationship with Jesus, it is plain, plain and clear in black and white that there's a penalty coming for you. When you use your voice to promote an agenda, to promote the side you're cheering for, when your voice is not leading and instructing and directing others to the grace of Jesus, there's a penalty waiting for you. He says it right there. Whoever's throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, they will be they'll get their penalty. If we're living day by day based on the opinions of man, then you're living in a bondage and a yoke of slavery. If you are 
hanging on your next decision, your next post, your next whatever, on what people are going to think, then you have taken on the yoke of slavery and you're living in bondage. Who should we listen to? It's the question being asked. Fortunately, Paul already answered it in verse 1. I told you all the answers are in verse 1. He says this. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. It is for freedom that who? Christ has set us free. Who are you listening to? Who's determining the direction of your life? Which leads us to our last question. What are we supposed to do? When people who are opening their life to false teaching, they ask, well, what am I supposed to believe? Well, who do I listen to? Well, what am I supposed to do? Paul answers that one too. Look in verse 5 and 6 of Galatians 5. For through the Spirit, we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. Underline this if you want to. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Some of y'all thought I was just preaching some kind of social gospel. I wasn't. By the way, you're not going to hear the social gospel preached from this pulpit. It's heresy, and we don't do that here. But what did he just say? It's not about being circumcised or uncircumcised. There's no value in that. Man wants to say, well, you got to do this or you got to do this or which side of the fence you're standing on. There's no value in that. It tells me that there's no, it's not about being a Republican or a Democrat. There's no value in being identified as that. There's no value in being identified as a liberal or a conservative. There's no value in being identified in that. The only thing that counts is being identified in the faith that is found in Christ Jesus alone. That's the only thing that counts. We want to paint each other with labels and titles and blah, blah, blah. Well, he said this and she posted this and blah. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Pause. Look at that verse with me, please. I want to make sure you understand this. This is not what the rest of the world is teaching here. It says the only thing that counts is faith. Expressing itself through love. We live in a world, we live in a culture where as long as we put the word love in it, it must be the right thing. He didn't say the only thing that counts is love being expressed through faith. No, he said the only thing that counts is faith. A relationship with Jesus expressing itself through the love. How we love others with the love of Christ. That's the only thing that counts, church. The only thing that counts. Paul said... For through the Spirit, we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we what? Hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through faith, hope, and love. That sounds a lot like Jesus, doesn't it? You think Paul was trying to tell them what to do? You think Paul was showing them what to do? 
By the way, he already answered that question. What are we supposed to do? What does he say in verse 1? Two words. Stand firm. Stand firm. All the answers right there in verse 1. As we wrap up this morning, I want to invite you just to bow your heads. This morning, not everyone came in here ready to celebrate the type of freedom that we just talked about. But you don't have to leave that way. Jesus said in John 8, 36, So if the Son sets you free, then you are free indeed. Christian, brother in Christ, sister in Christ, I got to ask you a question. Just between you and the Lord, you remember what it was like to be free? To be free in Christ? You weren't in bondage to anything of this world. You weren't trying to keep up. You weren't trying to promote an agenda. You were just satisfied in Christ alone. You remember that feeling of freedom? What made you take on the yoke of this world? What took your eyes off the Lord? What voice started persuading you? Christian brother, this morning there's a freedom that because you call yourself a Christian, you subscribe to at one point in time in your life. My question is, is, is that the freedom in which you're still living? taking on a yoke of bondage because you represent so many other things in this world's not seeing Jesus in you. Christian sister, I ask you the same thing. Is Jesus the only thing that you want others to see coming out of your life? Because if it's not, can be if you choose to repent it's not just a well I'm going to get back on track and move forward no it starts with repentance letting God remind you of the freedom you were saved for that's the only thing that counts your relationship with Christ it's the only thing we should be known for especially now Let me ask you this question. Do you know that you're saved by the blood of Jesus? When Paul asked that question, he wasn't saying they were going to lose their salvation. He asked the question, are you even saved in Christ? Have you ever been transformed by the blood of Jesus? And I ask you the same question Paul asked the church in Galatia. Do you know that you have been saved by the blood of Jesus because you chose to repent of your sins and ask Christ to come and save you and then be Lord of your life. It's not a check the box thing so we can go to heaven. It's a relationship with Jesus. 
And if you bypass Jesus, you're going to miss the rest of it. So this morning I ask you, have you ever given your life to Christ? Have you ever truly been free? Because I can think of no other time to find your freedom in Christ than today on an Independence Day weekend where you say, I'm ready for Jesus to make me free. America needs the church to be the church now more than ever. So it's time for the church. It's time for the believers in this room to start showing America the only thing that counts. It's not being right. It's not your opinion. It's not who's yelling the loudest. The only thing that counts is our salvation in Christ alone. This morning, it's time for some of you to let go of anything in your life that you've identified yourself with that has nothing to do with Jesus. And it's time for the church to be the church. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you, God, for the people that have gathered and congregated in this place. Because, God, your word, it's big enough. But, God, the truth is, we can sit in pews and listen to sermons all day long. We can listen to your word being preached all day long, Father. But but if we choose to do nothing about it, we're, we're living in bondage. So, God, my prayer today for the people in this room, for Westmead Baptist Church, for the believers that are gathered here, for the people that are joining us online, God, that are still united with us, even though we're not in one place. I pray, Father, that we would awaken to find ourselves desiring to be the church you sent your son to die on the cross for us to be. That we live out the transformation of Jesus so that others can see it. So that they don't look at me and label me as a political agenda. That they don't label me as the color of my skin. They label me because of Christ in me is all they see. God, may it start in my life with my wife and my children. And God, may it radiate from there because of what you are doing in my life. I pray the same thing for the believers. And God, for my Christian brother in the room who knows he is far from that, I pray that in a minute when we stand, he would find his place in submitting before you and repenting of anything else he's been identified with that is not the blood of Jesus. I pray the same for my Christian sister who's been trying so hard to keep up and to convince everything and everybody else she's everything she's not. God, may she once again be found free by the blood of Jesus. And God, I pray for the person in the room right now that in their honest heart of hearts, they say to themselves, maybe they say it to you, I really don't know if I'm safe. God, meet them where they are. Remind them or show them your love you have for them and how it was demonstrated through Jesus Christ whose sacrificial death on the cross was enough to cover their sin so that they could be found in the freedom when they call on your name. Give them 
strength and courage, God, when we stand to step out of their aisle, to walk down to each side of the platform, to find a staff member and say, I want to know this freedom. God, may they desire you enough to give their life to you. God, however it is you're calling us to respond in obedience this morning, may we be the church that you called us to be in obedience and submission. In Jesus' name we ask these things. Would you please stand? Thank you for the way that you love us, how you
church. Uh, remain standing. I got a couple of really quick things for you. Uh, on your way out, in just a minute, there's a bucket and a chair. If you don't mind, if you have a tithe or offering you'd like to give, you can place it in that bucket on your way out. Um, just letting you guys know, um, we're working really hard trying to figure out a healthy and safe way to have Sunday school. And hopefully we'll be able to announce. We're, we're waiting to hear back from our Sunday school teachers and get input for them. So if you're a Sunday school teacher, remember tomorrow. We need to hear back from you by then uh, as we kind of move forward in that and try to figure out what that looks like. We've got to be safe. we got to be smart. Uh, and speaking of safe and smart, uh, when we dismiss here in a minute, we are going to need everyone to go ahead and file on out if you want to congregate, which honestly isn't a great idea right now with everything that's going up with these numbers. Please do so outside the building. We have people who are about to come in and clean this building, clean this room. Uh, so if you don't mind when we dismiss, go ahead and head outside. If you want to meet with me, my white truck is parked at the end of the parking lot out there. I'll be there in about 30 minutes. Uh, so I'd love to talk with you then. Have a great rest of your 4th of July weekend. I love you. Be safe. Be smart.